Gillian, how are you today? I'm good, Craig. Uh, how are you? Well, since we met, you've relocated from New York to San Francisco. Uh, I would imagine that in a COVID world, things have changed. Absolutely. Um, when I came out here last year, uh, life was good. Uh, and we had about six months here before the lockdown. And it's been a strange new world ever since. Now, you're with the Schematic. You guys do early stage investing, uh, $20 million fund. Tell me a little bit more about the type of investments that you guys like to make. Sure. So I started off as a software developer working on warehouse automation systems about 17 years ago. So I've been in supply chain for a very long time, and I've been investing into this sector for a long time as well, about seven years now. So I started off at a generalist fund in New York, uh, leaned on my networks in the industry and planted a flag in supply chain about six, seven years ago. Uh, when I first started hosting events, distribution tech, uh, the very first one, you know, we had a room of maybe 20, 30 people and very sort of uh, brand new, uh, just starting out companies that no one had heard of, like Six River, Atabotics, Flex, Kinema, Shippo, Emerge, Freight, Benchin, all in one room, 20 people in a tiny conference room at Chicago's Promat. So since then, uh, the world is, has changed. Capital has flooded into supply chain, which is great. And four years ago, I launched a fund to focus on the sector. Initially seed, but uh, we've gone earlier and earlier. So heading upstream and doing more pre-seed investments in teams and ideas at the 500K to a million dollar mark. So as an early stage fund, that's a concentrated portfolio being 20 million and still making relatively large size checks for pre-seed. Uh, startups. What's the investment thesis behind uh, the types of businesses that you guys uh, really support? Yeah, so it's sort of a money where your mouth is uh, thesis. If we do feel that we are experts in supply chain, that we can uh, get to conviction and understand the businesses a bit better than the average investor, we should be more concentrated than the average investor. Um, so with that, we'll only have 20, uh, 20-ish companies at the end of fund one. We also take our time. We make about three to five investments per year. So we're very selective. Um, and yeah. When you got into the investment, use the term distribution tech, which I've not heard that term, uh, but makes absolute sense. What have you seen the market evolve around logistics, freight tech, distribution tech, supply chain tech, I mean, these terms get thrown around, but effectively it's, sure. they're all, if you do a Venn diagram, they would, they would actually be quite closely aligned. So when I started investing in supply chain, I had deep networks inside the four walls. And so really focused on there to start about six years ago and launched an event at Promat and Modex. We actually had right before COVID our biggest distribution tech event yet. We called it the Modex Big Bash. Um, so I started inside the four walls, and at the time when you would attend ProMatter Modex, there were maybe two startups in attendance, uh, perhaps one robot buried deep in the corner of the, the conference hall. Since then, I mean, the industry has just exploded. Uh, FreightWaves has to be one of the biggest driving forces as far as the attention of technology into the supply chain industry. 
Um, and as such, we at Schematic have expanded outside the four walls. I would say a third of our portfolio today is in freight. I appreciate you saying that. We certainly have, have been, we like to think that we've uh, benefited as well and, and have supported the community and want to continue to do that. Uh, it's, you know, it's a growing sector. It's growing exceptionally fast. In a post-COVID world, it's gotten a lot of attention. And I, I use the word post because we're not really out of the COVID environment, but certainly since the sort of initial quarantines in March. Um, what are you hearing and seeing in terms of your LPs and how they're receptive towards supply chain tech and, and just the sort of evolution of it in a, in a post-COVID world? Sure. LPs have, uh, there's, I think, still... Um, a gap in folks in industry and outside of industry as far as what supply chain is, why it's exciting, why it's important. When you sort of draw that that line between their experience with the e-com world and running on the pipes of supply chain, uh, you know, it clicks and they get it. Um, supply chain has been, I, I would have to say, one of the industries that has benefited most with the boom in e-commerce, e-commerce supply chain is way more expensive than ship-to-store supply chain. So um, with that, technology has received a lot of um, attention. I think customers' enthusiasm for buying IT has increased. Um, so yeah, it's been, um, it's been during a very tough time, uh, a sort of bright spot in the economy. What are you most personally most bullish on? And specific companies or types of companies that you personally think are going to change the way that we do business uh, in this industry or broadly? Well, um, pre-COVID, most buyers of automation tech had a very strict business case for those purchase decisions. Uh, payback period of 1.5 to two years. Post-COVID, the idea of resilience has entered the business case. Resilience being the ability to operate in the event of any sort of unforeseen labor shock. So if everything shuts down and the world goes dark, can we still operate our supply chains and serve our customers during that period? So that variable is entered in the business case calculations. So the companies that I've seen um, sort of step out and experience a bit of market expansion have been the automation technologies in the schematic portfolio. So Plus One Robotics, uh, which is parcel sortation singulation, parcel networks are stretched to breaking points right now. Companies like Outrider, Autonomous Terminal Automation uh, have seen a big increase in attention. Um, and, and the other automation tech like Platform Science, which is more of a classic ELD, but providing the connectivity to the driver vehicle. Yeah, the on the on bus support for connected vehicles. Are you guys an investor in platform science? Yep, that was one of our very first investments that we made uh, in 2017. Got it. We're we're big fans of Jack and and what they're doing there. Uh, Jack Kennedy is also. We share a lot of the same investors. In fact, it's. I often talk to a lot of founders, and they ask who invests in freight tech or supply chain tech, and they're usually the same. You know, our cap tables across the industry usually involve a lot of the same names. Uh, I imagine that it's evolving with some new names in the space, but even at the early stage, it's typically the same set of investors that are, that are seeing the same deal flow. 
Yeah, you'd be surprised because when you're in it, it seems like it's booming and there's a ton of people looking at it and the sector is is on fire. But in relation to the other categories um, receiving venture capital attention, it still is sort of a fraction of what fintech receives capital-wise or valuation, uh, healthcare, biotech, space, et cetera, on and on and on. It still is sort of a little bit more of a niche category. How do we drive as an industry, how do we drive it to become a, a primary category? Or, or frankly, is that healthy uh, from your perspective as, a, as an investor? Maybe you don't want the competition in deals, uh, but, but how, can, how can we drive more activity and more investment to cut the later stages? Yeah, well, love competition. Competition makes you better. Um, you know, I've been investing into this category for seven years and, and the more investors alongside on cap tables, uh, we, we love seeing that at Schematic. But does more capital, more attention make the category better? I don't think so. Uh, capital pressure can create unhealthy business models, unhealthy pressure, uh, both timing, valuation, et cetera. So I would say the industry is better served by stepping outside of or, or independent of the current bubble that, um, let's say, fintech is, is receiving right now. So do you think there's any part of freight tech, supply chain tech, that's perhaps got inflated valuations versus the metrics of the companies? Is there anything that you're, you're not bullish on in the space? Well, I would say the first wave of uh, buzzy supply chain companies were the digital brokers, which everybody in industry loves to pick apart valuation, performance, and comparison to the incumbents. Uh, I interviewed Jeff Silver once on stage about, and we talked mostly about digital brokers, and if anyone hasn't met Jeff Silver, he has very colorful things to say about that business model. Um, so that is still a question, you know, how much has technology changed as far as the operational performance, the internal margins of those companies? Do they deserve a 10 to 20 times gross multiple, whereas incumbents trade at three to four times? We'll see. Uh, but some of them are, are reaching maturity and their financials are going to be exposed to the public, public markets, be it through a SPAC attempt or an IPO or an acquisition. So I think we'll find out the answer to do digital brokers deserve those multiples next year or you know at the latest the year following. Yeah, Jeff, well, in fairness to you, or in fairness to digital brokers, Jeff had some very pointed words towards me and freight waves and the impact we're having on what he views as inflating uh, some of the, the storylines around the technology ventures that are out here versus sort of the fundamentals. And, um, you know, I often remind Jeff and others that what makes a lot of startups in the early phases is the fact that they're, they are uh, really good at communicating what they're doing and solving problems. And maybe a lot of that's hype in the early phases, but oftentimes the successful ones uh, end up exceeding what they set out to do to begin with. Absolutely. And uh, inside the four walls, I saw that with Kiva. I've seen that with a lot of automation startups where folks from the larger MHEs would critique the startups at first and pick apart the business models. And guess what? Here we are five years later, and the same people uh, who were, you know, saying this will never work, uh, you know, this is this is simply buzz, 
are now working for those very startups. Yeah, it's amazing. I remember when you and I first uh, talked, our business plan has evolved since then. But oftentimes I, I think, uh, you know, the successful startups just generally uh, start with an idea that's not well baked, not well thought out and sort of evolve. Uh, and that seems to be, you know, at least if you look at the businesses and I think certainly across the whole ecosystem, that's what, that's what we've seen. I think dismissing some of the digital brokers early on because their business model looks very similar to incumbents is uh, fails to, to look at the opportunities and the upside that may exist. But you mentioned something I want to focus on is if we think about sort of the born on date of this industry, freight tech, logistics tech, whatever you want to call it, sort of circa 2015, we're getting near the end of that cycle. We're getting near the end of the yeah. life of a lot of those early investments. What do you think we're going to end up seeing a lot of these businesses? Where do we end up in this? Well, um, some of the valuation levels of the early companies that attracted a lot of capital are going to be tested next year. And I think we see a, um, let's say, um, the, the end of somewhat of the capital cycle, the capital buzz of logistics venture capital um, of folks who saw it more as a cycle and less. And I think everyone in industry sees it as a long-term linear trend of building these, these pipes on which our, our company runs, or sorry, our country runs. But we'll see exits from uh, some of the larger later funds who perhaps made one investment and it didn't work out. Um, but, uh, you know, I, not, not to the degree because it never reached the buzzy bubble of some of the other categories. So perhaps a retrenchment, but, you know, nothing drastic. Yeah, I think it's more of a retrenchment in the digital brokerage space is where I would expect to see it simply because those valuations did uh, run uh, and there's a hard, you know, they're, they're, as you mentioned, they're valued on revenues versus net revenues or margins, which is different than how they exist in yeah. private markets. So Julian, we've seen a, a lot of vintage 2015 startups that are near the end of their initial cycle. Seven years in is when we typically see uh, a lot of institutional investors want to make, want to exit. What is your expectations of what we'll see in the market uh, over the next couple of years? Absolutely. So many of the early companies, especially the digital brokers, are going to have their valuations tested in the public markets, either through an IPO or a SPAC. So we'll probably have greater visibility into those multiples and really how technology has been driving operational performance for those companies. So that's going to be, I think, an important trend next year. Uh, we'll also see continued success as public companies, I, and I think they, even more so than the cap, uh, sort of private capital investors, have seen the advantages of investing in supply chain technology. So Okado buying uh, Kindred uh, was a very successful exit for that company. Shopify buying Six River. And I think we'll continue to see that next year as the larger e-commerce and retail companies view bringing supply chain tech in-house as part of a, a competitive advantage for their companies. Do you think it's going to be hard for those companies to, to some of the digital brokers to sustain their valuations? Yes. Uh, speaking generally, and I, I have a few in my portfolio, and all of the ones in my portfolio have kept an eye on trading multiples and the eventual exit with the idea that 
you know, this this buzz around tech, which may inflate the valuation multiple, is a short-term game gain and uh, perhaps may not hold out at, at the moment of exit. So for the others out there that have really sort of departed from um, what incumbents trade at, yes, I think those those multiples will be tested. Got it. Well, Julian, really appreciate you coming on, being a part of this event. Certainly, I'd love to have you back, talk about the uh, elements and evolution of the venture tech cycle in freight and transportation and distribution. So uh, really appreciate your time today. Thanks for having me, Craig. Thanks, Julian.